Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. This is your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 30. I'm sorry to say that I had this wonderful guest on, Carrie Galligan, one of my neighbors and a huge Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise fanatic, and somehow all of the data from our recording got deleted. So going to have to have her on again shortly to talk all things Bachelor in Paradise, but you're going to have to make do with just me for this week. So going to start with a little bit of spill the tea. Now this tea is not such great news. Unfortunately, we have found out that Dennis Shields, the on-again, off-again boyfriend of Bethany Frankel, has passed away, likely due an overdose due to an overdose of OxyContin. Um, but before I get into some of that, wanted to go back to what's been going on between Bethany and Carol, which all seems so small and irrelevant. Um, in the wake of this news. So Carol had been saying that Bethany basically forced her out telling producers, you know, it's either me or Carol and that they chose Bethany. And Carol complained that Bravo didn't like her blogs and over-edited them and that's why she hasn't been writing as much lately. And then on Friday, August 10th, a follower said, you know, Maybe you just don't understand Bethany's pain. It seems like you're not being very sympathetic to her. To which Carol responded that she had to bury her husband and two best friends within three weeks of each other and insinuating that Bethany just has hashtag rich white girl problems. Now, that's extremely unfortunate um, because then, as we found out a few hours later, Bethany's on-again, off-again boyfriend, Dennis Shields, uh, passed away. So here's what we know. Um, He was married to Bethany's high school friend, Jill, but apparently heard always kind of had a thing for Bethany. She started seeing him in 2015. Um, Apparently he was still married to Jill, maybe not married to Jill. Who knows? Um, I like to think that him and his wife had separated and he started dating Bethany. And they've been on again, off again since 2016. Um, The interesting thing about Dennis Shields is that he lives in Trump Tower and is close friends with Michael Cohen, who is uh, Donald Trump's former attorney. When there was a fire a few months back, Michael Cohen is the one that texted Dennis Shields telling him to get out of the building because he knew that there were no spring there was no sprinkler system um so him and Bethany uh decided not to film together and it sounds as if Bethany didn't really want Dennis on the real housewives of New York very much she wanted to keep her private life private um 
And I've heard from Radar Online, and this cannot be verified, but that he had proposed in recent months and she had refused. Well, I'm not Team Bethany or Team Carol, but I feel like it takes a lot to throw away a friendship. And when things like this happen, such as a death of a loved one, it's really time to reevaluate what matters and whether or not what you're fighting about is even worth it and try and be there for for one another. Um, But one thing that does concern me about Bethany is that she wants to be on this reality show, but not necessarily show her true reality. We don't see Bryn, which is fine. I think it's fine not to show your children on reality TV. It's actually probably smart, but we don't really see her love life. We kind of only see what she wants us to see, and I can understand how that might be frustrating to the other housewives, which really lay it all out there, and you see them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So condolences to Dennis Shields' family. He has three children. It's just horrible. Um, for them and for his his estranged wife and and for Bethany and it's just a terrible terrible situation all around. Um, in other Bravo news, Jerry O'Connell has apologized for the name of his new talk show, which was going to be Real Men Watch Bravo, and it was changed to Play by Play. Now, I like the whole like Real Men Watch Bravo campaign, but didn't really like the idea of having a talk show with it where it was only men that were allowed to be on the talk show. That seemed a little bit silly. Um, And then what does it mean by real men? There's plenty of men that already watch Bravo, including plenty of, uh, you know, gay men. Does that mean they're not real men? So can understand how people were upset and Bravo could understand and Jerry O'Connell could understand and his apology, I'm sure will be accepted by everyone. Um, the Vanderpump Rules crew is in Puerto Vallarta. They're posting beautiful pictures of all the ladies. Everyone keeps trying to guess on Instagram who's pregnant because, as we've said in the past, there is a rumor that two people from the Vanderpump universe are pregnant, one cast member and one Vanderpump-adjacent person. Um, I personally don't really know if anyone's actually pregnant. And just depending on what they wear, you could say, oh, it's Katie, she's wearing something flowy, or she's holding something in front of her. And then you'd be like, oh, it's Lala, she gained a little weight. These women are still like, what, a size two? Come on, give it a break. Just let them be. And if someone's pregnant, we'll find out when we find out. Moving on to some OCT. So Shannon Bedore has a new boyfriend named Scott Madison. He is 58. Um, he was married and I believe had two kids with his first wife. Um, and she's apparently on friendly terms with Shannon. He married another woman named Kimberly Ann, who actually died four years ago, but she was only 37 years old. Um Hearing that he also dated someone shortly after that, who was also quite young, I think possibly around 30 at the time, and she became pregnant, but they broke up before the baby was born. I think he's still in their lives. Uh, But that does seem a bit odd because Shannon's been really upset with David for dating someone who's 20 years younger than him. And here her new boyfriend sounds like he had a habit of being with women that were 20 or more years younger than him. And when asked, Tamara Judge um, said, you know, 
when she was asked, what do you think of the people Shannon's been dating? She said kind of like, what are you doing? And Tamara said on a recent podcast, and I quote, she's got a new one, jury's out, but so far, not good. I, I hope Shannon chooses well. When I first heard that he was a widower, I was like, oh, maybe she'll find love with someone that went through a tragic loss and she's had loss with her divorce. But it sounds like he's had many more women than just the wife that passed. Um, no judgment in that, but if she's looking for someone who's not looking for a younger woman and who's comfortable with his age and who's comfortable with her age and wants to live kind of the lifestyle of someone who's in their 50s, then maybe he's not the guy. And then finally, the news that so many people have been talking about, which with the Bachelor universe, which is what's been going on between Becca Martinez, who I call Babysitter's Club Becca because she's young and cute, and uh, Leo, who is on the season of Bachelor in Paradise. Apparently, many women have come to Becca Martinez alleging that Leo had sexually harassed them um, either at work at Universal Studios or in college or via DM on Instagram where he sent unsolicited dick pics. Uh, Yeah, so he kind of responded very ridiculously to her coming forward on Instagram with these allegations and was kind of like, no one's ever come to me about this. Why would they come to you if you've been harassing them? And he kind of made it sound as if they were baseless, but kind of alleged said, oh, you know, I'm not the same person as I was back in college. But some of these situations happened as recently as a month ago. And now we find out that he has been suspended from work at Universal Studios while they actually investigate um, some of these allegations of sexual harassment. So it sounds like the Bachelor universe could do a much better job um, looking through the candidates that they put on the show because we've had Lincoln on now who was actually not just charged but presumed found guilty of um, assaulting a woman. Uh, we've got Garrett and his social media posts which are racist, uh, homophobic, and just awful. And then now you've got Leo who's, you know, sending unsolicited dick pics and probably a lot worse. So... Come on, Bachelor producers, folks at ABC, you can do better than this. Find us some good guys. We know they're out there. And for those who have that in their background, you know, weed them out. I just can't understand how you would not allow someone on a show for testing positive for an STD, one that probably could be easily treated with a short round of antibiotics, but you'll let people on who harass women. That's something that doesn't just go away after a short round of antibiotics. So there's your tea, everyone. So first, going to start out with some Real Housewives recapping. So let's start out with the OC. I was realizing when they show the opening credits that for some of the franchises, they show the women, just the women. And then for others, they'll show the women. And then in the background is their families. And so for the OC, they have their families. And I noticed 
obviously Gina's husband is not in the picture. It's just her kids, which I find odd. But then now we know they're getting divorced. And I even looked when they're filming scenes in her house and photos on their wall are actually faded out. So he is not in any footage of Bravo. Um, so I just thought that was odd. So it starts out with Tamara and Vicky going to the doctor to check out Tamara's broken foot. They are giggling while the doctor examines her foot and asks how soon Tamara can start to whoop it up again. Now, Tamara looks completely pathetic because she's in one of those like knee scooters because she can't put any pressure on her foot. And she's scooting around her house, which is like under you know, development. It's not completely done. There's so much construction. And Eddie is just finished heart surgery. So it's just like really sad. And I appreciated when she started saging the house because to get rid of all of the bad juju that has been going on, I definitely felt her there. Um, Loved seeing Emily's in-laws. They look like so cute. Their names are Perry and Larry and they're Persian Mormons. I mean... I I really like Emily. I don't know why. I just like her. I like her smile. I like her voluptuous hair. I think she's kind of down to earth and doesn't seem very controversial, but kind of interesting. It was really interesting when all the women had dinner this week and she talked about being a lawyer and we found out that Shannon Bedore had actually completed two years of law school. And that she had been with someone for eight years before David and was previously engaged. So those are things I didn't fully realize. I kind of wish that Shannon had finished law school because I think Shannon Bedore, the lawyer, would be amazing. The main drama of the week is obviously between Vicky and Kelly. Kelly is still really upset that Vicky set up her ex-husband, Michael, and then went on double dates with them uh, and didn't tell her because Michael and the new girlfriend asked uh, Vicky not to say anything. And Kelly's like, I just would have appreciated a heads up. They end up apologizing. Uh, Vicky ends up apologizing. Kelly accepts her apology, but Vicky still doesn't really seem to think that she's done anything wrong, and Kelly's still harboring some animosity about this. And it comes up when they all get together for a dinner, and the topic of divorce comes up, and Kelly brings up the whole story about Vicky setting up her ex, Michael, with a new girlfriend. And Vicky was like, I can't believe she's bringing this up again. We already talked about this. We quashed this earlier today. Like, how many casseroles do you want, Kelly? Hilarious. Um, But everyone takes Kelly's side, which is why Kelly brought it up in the first place, just to show Vicky how nobody agrees with her. But Vicky, you can't get through to Vicky. If she thinks something, then that's her truth. So um, everyone's obviously on Kelly's side, but especially Gina, who is kind of like, who would do that? And really loud, and it definitely gets under Vicky's skin. 
Um, then Kelly invites a guy that she's dating to this girl's dinner and he proceeds to show up. They start making out and then everyone leaves. So that was bizarre. Um, the end of the episode, Gina and Vicky decide to go on a walk together. Uh, we find out that Gina's only 33 years old, which is the age of Vicky's daughter, Brianna. And so we obviously know Vicky doesn't really hold her in the highest regard as a peer, even though she is a housewife peer um and they both seem to think that like they're gonna one-up each other it's very odd um you know vicky said it's my sandbox and i decide who plays in it um but gina's kind of like she should be more scared of me than i am of her so in their testimonials they're talking a big game but i can see things getting explosive later this season Now, for Real Housewives of New York, it starts out with Ramona debuting her updated Hamptons home. Now, it doesn't look that different than before, and it's just, it's very minimalist, but not in a classy way. Like, it's just bland. And when Luann is describing it to Bethany later, I mean, I was just tickled over this. She's like, there's this huge slab of, like, white marble in the middle of the kitchen for the island, and it looks like a tombstone and it did it's so ridiculous it just doesn't look homey or lived in there is no character to it and so the fact that she made the biggest deal out about doing these renovations and then it looks like that I mean it's not that it's not nice it's nice it's a beautiful home but it really has like an emptiness to it so I went to yoga earlier today and was meditating and you're supposed to kind of clear your thoughts and I always try and think of sort of a blank canvas when I do it. And the first thing that popped up in my head was Ramona's house because it is just empty. Um, Then we go back to hearing about Cartagena, the boat ride, and everyone's trip back and how they are having issues having solid bowel movements after coming back from Colombia. Turns out Sonia wore adult diapers on the plane because of her diarrhea, but then she says in her confessionals that she wears them often when she travels, including when she takes the Hampton Jitney because she doesn't want to get up and use the restroom that's provided on the bus. I still can't get over that Sonia takes the Jitney out to the Hamptons from New York City. I've taken a Jitney. If I've taken something, I want a housewife like taking a helicopter ride, a private jet, anything, but not the Jitney. Come on, girl. Um, Tinsley still doesn't seem to understand or want to accept how serious that boat ride from hell was, even though we later find out it may have only been three or four minutes of hell. It sounds like it was pretty hellish when the waves were crashing, the film crew had to stop filming, there were sirens going off, people smelled smoke, it was just screaming, vomiting, crazy. And, uh, you know, Tinsley's taking it personally because she organized the trip. But she just needs to get over that and accept how everyone else was feeling. Then we get to see Bethany's new apartment, which is beautiful oh my god it is gorgeous she is the closet of like not quite Lisa Vanderpump but that kind of a style of closet but it's in New York City it's not in California where you can you know there's more space this is like in the most one of the most densely populated cities in the world especially in the U.S. 
And I can't get over how much space she has, how gorgeous it is, how well decorated it is, how she got her fixtures from all over. I'm really happy for her. It looks great. Unfortunately, I feel like she can never really settle down and just be happy where she is. But maybe, maybe this one is the one that she'll feel home in. Um, Meanwhile, Sonia is trying to sell uh, or rent out her townhouse. So it's just like real estate to real estate to real estate for these ladies. Uh, She um, is pissed that the snow has all melted and shown all of the dog poop that is outside on her courtyard that she never cleaned up. So... That's kind of disgusting. Uh, We saw on Watch What Happens Live that Sonia has a new intern, so maybe that's going to be one of his duties. Then we get into a bit of what happened in the epic fight between Luann and Dorinda. It seems like neither one, despite actually having forgiven each other and made up and hugged and said they love each other, are really over what happened. So as we know, Uh, Luann went to prison following a very drunken uh, night in West Palm Beach in which she ended up in a hotel room that was not hers. And upon being asked to leave, um, the police had to get involved. She like kicked and harassed a police officer. She got arrested and put in the back of a cop car and then got out of the handcuffs and told everyone she was going to kill them. Okay, she's got an issue. She's got a bit of a drinking problem but so does Dorinda she just happens to not have gotten arrested um at least yet and Dorinda as we all know when she drinks can get quite mean and so during this when they're hanging out in Cartagena Luann started to sense Dorinda sort of turning now I don't really think Dorinda was there I think she probably just had one drink and maybe gave a weird look to Luann that meant nothing But Luann called her out on it and was like, you're turning. And Dorinda didn't appreciate it being called out for her drinking, especially by someone who just got out of rehab and prison. So can totally understand both sides of this. Uh, But the things that Dorinda hurled out as insults after were just absolutely horrendous. Kind of, why don't you go have, you know, and get drunk and get go back to prison? You know, all these just terrible terrible things. Dorinda likes to go for the jugular. So um, I think next week we'll see that kind of boil over. And we found out recently that Dorinda and Luann have not spoken to one another since the uh, finale was uh, taped for the Housewives. So, and then it ends with Carol's athleisure, athletic cheek party. Um, It makes no sense. Her outfit looks horrible. Her bling that she's wearing, it's, I don't even know. It was like one of the worst outfits I've ever, ever seen. Um, Also hideous was Tinsley's outfit, but at least it was fun. Uh, She wears, uh, like, I guess a sweatshirt from Columbia University, but has these almost like pom-pom type things and her hair is in braids and I don't even know what's going on but she definitely reminds us that she went to Columbia and played tennis just to show that she's not the stupid dits that we all think she is 
And um, Heather Thompson makes a reappearance to her screen. Hala. She looks great and um, seems like a great friend to Carol. And Carol is finding some new connection with Heather now that her and Bethany are on the outs. And it sounds like Heather never really had a great relationship with Bethany and always kind of called her out for who she was, which was dominating every situation and not really letting anyone else have an opinion. Um and then it ends with Ramona's skincare collection party, which I think will spill over into next week, to which Sonia brings her shoes to sell at that party. Absolutely love that. Can't get enough of Sonia this season. She's always making me laugh, is not being very controversial, kind of keeping things light, wearing adult diapers, you know, kind of carrying everyone through the, the dark times that um, are happening on Real Housewives of New York. So next week is the season finale, and after that starts the reunion. So there is going to be a lot to talk about. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, the audio was lost from my interview with what was supposed to be this week's guest, Carrie Galligan. We'll definitely have her on in the next few weeks to do some recapping of Bachelor in Paradise. But for now, you're going to have to just deal with me um, and my thoughts on the Bachelorette finale and the this first week of Bachelor in Paradise. So with the finale, it was nice to be able to see Becca's family. That was pretty much the highlight of it for me. I adore her mom and her sister, her uncles, everything about them reminds me of home and Minnesota. And funny enough, the person that reminds Becca of home is Garrett, which we've kind of seen from the beginning. She always says that he reminds her a bit of her father who passed away, I think nine years ago, and she desperately misses him and is looking for some sort of comfort and a partner. So as we all know, she ends up choosing Garrett and not Blake, who really does seem perfect for her on paper. And she tells Blake, you know, I always thought it was going to be you. Um, and she doesn't really give him a lot of reasons for why it's not him, other than just the fact that Garrett was a better fit for her. The one thing I did not appreciate that she said was she kind of mentioned his anxiety as um, he wasn't always steady enough for her and what would happen if they had a sick kid or had to deal with adversity in any way. And I think that that's kind of unfair because these types of shows bring out everyone's anxiety and vulnerabilities. And Blake did have a reason to be anxious. He was feeling that this relationship he had was going to slip away. And it did. And when she sent him home, I mean, he was absolutely devastated. First of all, he was sweating more than I've like probably seen every, anyone sweat since Josh Murray. It was heartbreaking. I felt like he just needed a ton of fans and ice and microfiber towels. Oh, Blake. And then, you know, he did say like, when this is all over, like, I'll have to deal with this alone. So he spent the last three weeks really dealing with this breakup and not being able to talk to many people about it because um, of the clause of his contract in the show and how you don't really talk about it till it actually airs. So that must have been really tough for him. But he posted such a sweet Instagram 
photo this week and said he's really happy for Becca and really happy for what he learned and he doesn't regret falling in love and it just taught him that you know he can love um, you know harder and and more in the future so the thing that everyone's talking about really is the after the final rose, um, which we get to see Becca and Garrett super happy, super giddy. And but people really just want to know what the hell happened with his Instagram situation where he liked a bunch of pictures, um, memes that were really hateful, including one that um, said that one of the Parkland students uh, David Hogg was a crisis actor. There was joking about throwing babies over the border, uh, something about showing that feminists are all fat and ugly, which just to go prove him wrong, Becca is a feminist. So so there, Garrett. Um, and it was just they were all in poor taste. And I was talking with Carrie about this and saying how like, I would never come across something like this on Instagram to even like to begin with because I only follow Bravo celebrities and dogs. <laughs> so, but that has to be something with his worldview and the people that he creates and keeps around him that he was seeing these types of memes. And then not only did he see them, but then he chose to double tap and like them. And he made it sound in his apology as if like, oh, I am sorry that I hurt people by double tapping on a photo. And it's like, no, what was that photo? What was that picture? And why was it so hurtful? And it, he did say like, I'm, I'm sorry because it goes against what she stands for. And I'm thinking, well, what she stands for, what about what you stand for? Um, and I always wonder, you know, people don't like to talk about politics, especially on reality TV, especially The Bachelor. But, you know, politics is part of our lives. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad person if you have different political views. It's just these particular views are really hateful and, and don't really have any space in our current discourse. And so it's not that Becca's liberal and Garrett is, you know, liking things that are anti-liberal. He's liking really hateful, hurtful things. And it's not that it goes against what she stands for. What what does he stand for? We didn't really get those answers. And I'm sure that Garrett and Becca had a lot of media training before this to not actually dive into any contemptuous debates on immigration or gun control or anything like that. Um, but I don't think it's the topics itself. It's, it's that he laughed at things that are genuinely hurtful and hateful and have real-life ramifications. So... Um, not really sure how I feel about all that. I felt like Garrett had the opportunity to explain to the world why he did what he did and how his worldview has maybe changed since that time. And he really didn't use that opportunity. And I know I'm sure him and Becca and Becca's family had a lot of really difficult conversations. But, you know, this is a reality show. They did show their love to the world and the world wants answers and we didn't really get them. But I did appreciate that when at the very end, they were given a trip to Thailand, which was very nice, and an old school Chrysler minivan, which was just 
absolutely epic, so cute. But one of the producers or interns at ABC put a human rights campaign sticker on the bumper sticker, which is um, an LGBTQ advocacy organization in the U.S. So I thought that was pretty great trolling since one of the things that Garrett liked was um, really anti-LGBTQ. So Um, I don't know. I really hope to see Blake or Jason as the Bachelor next season. I thought they both were fantastic and would make great candidates, especially Blake. He seems like he has a good head on his shoulders, that he's really moral and honest, and it doesn't seem as if producers made him appear that way, the way they tried to make Luke Pell look a certain way or Dean look a certain way, and they ended up not being good people. I feel like Dean's like a good person. I mean, not Dean, Blake. I feel like Blake is a good person. And what's so crazy to me is that Garrett liked a post that was making fun of a victim of a school shooting and Blake is actually a victim of a school shooting. So pretty interesting stuff. I wonder how he feels about that. Um, Although he's very classy and I'm sure he is just really happy for Becca and Garrett. Um, But they just seemed like they were so happy and wanted everyone to be happy for them and they've got past that issue and they want All of us to get past it, too. But I don't know if I'm ready. Anyways, um, then we go on to the first episode of Bachelor in Paradise. And I think it's going to take a little while to heat up. The first episode is never really that crazy, except for last year when we had all of the drama with um, Corinne and Demario. So anyways, it starts out with the Tia Colton show. And the crazy thing is Colton wasn't even on like most of the episode. He is not part of the original cast. He is someone that comes the following day. So of course, producers decide to give Tia the date card, knowing that the only person she is interested in going on a date with Colton is not there. So she ends up giving it to Chris, the one who is super aggressive to Becca on her season, um, but later apologized on the Mental All episode. And they seem to have a really great time and kick it off and, you know, have good chemistry. But she is so obsessed with Colton. It's hard for her to even think or talk about anything else. I feel like we've all had a friend and we've all been this friend. We've all been this person that's so obsessed with a guy or a girl or whoever that we find reasons to talk about them all the time and are just thinking about them 24-7. And they're giving us just enough to keep us around, but not what we really deserve. And that's sort of how I feel Colton is behaving I'm also a little confused why they both went on Paradise um, when they really could have just dated off screen. But of course, that wouldn't come with all the Instagram, you know, money that they get and hanging out on the beach and getting paid for it with their friends and becoming more famous. But I'm wondering if they're more interested in becoming Bachelor famous than they are in actually having a relationship. Now, 
my favorite as grocery store Joe, just because he's a man of few words and seems like he's pretty to the point. So he decides he likes Kendall. And why wouldn't he? She's gorgeous. She's into taxidermy. She's funky. She's comfortable with who she is. And she was saying, oh, no one's really being aggressive or like taking other people aside or really trying to make moves. And he's like, well, that's what I'm doing right now and proceeds to make out with her. So they're um, doing pretty well. Um, And then you've got the situation with Chelsea Roy, who is um, a single mom from Maine, and she was painted to be the villain on the last season of The Bachelor, but actually I think is quite a nice person and didn't the producers didn't have that much villain footage of her. So it kind of died out over time Um, and Nick is there with her and he doesn't even know her son's name, but he's showing interest in her. And you've got the producers asking him during the confessionals, you know, like what's her son's name? And he's just guessing a bunch of different names. So he's clearly not into her for the right reasons. And he has this gem of a line. So they've been talking for a couple hours. The night is kind of getting late. And he goes like, well, you know, if you want to make out with me, like, I'll make out with you. And she goes, I think I'm going to bed. And this is after she said that she doesn't make the first move. So that kind of a quote, like, who does that work on? How old are you? This is ridiculous. Nick, do better. Um, So... Then we've got, then we've got Crystal. And I'm just so curious to see how she's going to be on Bachelor in Paradise because she was such a villain on The Bachelor. And she never really apologized for any of the things she said or did. And I'm wondering, like, who is she really? Well, she seems kind of into grocery store Joe, but he showed interest in Kendall. And so then Crystal moved on with um, Kevin, who dated Ashley I. And they bond over both being fitness buffs and probably not having anything else to talk about. So they make out and there's that. Now, I foresee a lot of drama going on. I foresee a lot of couples that we don't expect. We've got Jordan, um, the Zoolander type model from Florida. I feel like he could potentially end up with someone. He's funny. He seems to be kind of charming in a weird way to some of these women. And who knows? Maybe it'll work on someone. Uh, But I would like to see at least one solid real couple come out at the end of this the way that Raven and Adam came out last year, that they didn't get engaged, but they stayed together and they're still together. And, you know, that's a that's a real relationship. People date for a year. They don't necessarily just get engaged after a couple of weeks. And um, really excited to see the eventual proposal of Jared to Ashley I and hear about how all of that happened. And I think there is a baby fest um, down in Mexico because Jade and Tanner come down. I think maybe Carly and Evan, who knows? So I think this season's going to be a lot of fun, but there is definitely a lot more left to see. And I think that there wasn't that much drama on the first night, but 
that's okay. And again, apologies to Carrie Galligan for not being able to recover the audio files, and we'll have her on pretty soon to do a recap of a much more juicy episode. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. So that concludes this week's episode of Is This Real Life? Thank you so much for joining. Please be sure to subscribe on either iTunes or SoundCloud and follow on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. See you next week. El nuevo crispy chicken sandwich de McDonald's es crujiente, tiernito, oh. Es pollo en la McDonald's, un mordisco y... Wow. Es el nuevo crispy chicken sandwich. Ordena por anticipado en el app de McDonald's. Para pa, pa, pa. En McDonald's participantes. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.